Hey guys, sorry for the interruption. I'm Dave, creator, host, narrator, writer, producer, and, well, I guess you could just say the mind behind AIC Stories. That's right. Like you guys probably know, AIC Stories is a very small, independent, one-man operation. And as you probably know, creating a podcast, especially one with multiple series like AIC Stories, takes a lot of work, a lot of time, effort, and, let's be honest, a lot of money. That's why I wanted to take just a second to let you know that if you love AIC Stories and want to help support the show, you can do that now in a couple different ways, including at buymeacoffee.com slash AIC Stories. Buy Me A Coffee is a way for you as a listener to help keep the lights on and keep the stories flowing. Every little bit helps, and while I was very hesitant to even think about asking anyone for money because, well, who likes to do that? I had more than a few people ask how they could help support AIC Stories, and I figured, why not? People were asking, so let's give you guys the option. And truly, the support means the world to me, so I do sincerely thank you for that. Of course, I know not everyone is in a position to financially support the show through Buy Me A Coffee, but that doesn't mean you still can't help me out immensely. If you can take a second to leave a rating and review, or even just share the show on social media or tell your friends about all the great storytelling content happening right here at AIC Stories, you'll be helping me out just as much as any financial support through Buy Me A Coffee would. And I'm eternally grateful for any and all help that you guys can give me. Like I said, this is a small independent podcast and it takes a lot of work to keep this thing going and any of this help that you can do really just means the world to me and helps me keep delivering better and better content to you guys each and every week. So jump over to buymeacoffee.com slash AIC stories or just visit AICstories.com and you'll find all the links right there if you want to help financially support AIC stories. Or, of course, you can find me on social media everywhere at AIC Stories. And you can leave a rating, review in the podcast player of your choice. So share the show, tell your friends, rate and review if you can. And if you're able to and interested, buymeacoffee.com slash AIC Stories is where you can go to financially support the show and, and help keep these stories flowing. I do truly appreciate it. I'm sorry for the interruption here. Now, let's get to our regularly scheduled programming. Mystery Minnesota is an original fiction podcast from Adventures in Creativity Productions. Call it an anthology of strange stories, mysteries of a punishing land, and the people that call it home. And these stories impacted one man's life in a way he never anticipated. Believe them or don't. But remember, these stories are told in order, so make sure and start at the beginning. Don't worry, we'll be here whenever you catch up. Welcome to Mystery Minnesota. Look, we all know that life is full of absolute WTF kinds of moments. Times when you're hit with information that leaves you both fully intrigued and captivated, maybe sucked in is a better phrase, yet also stunned and infuriated at the complete injustice at how this world operates. I, I don't want to harp on it, but Arnie essentially destroyed Walter's life, was the catalyst to getting his wife to have him committed to a psychiatric facility, which ultimately led to her just moving on as he stayed locked there in the hospital to rot away. 
Yet Arnie had a tale that was 10 times as bonkers as anything Walter had described with the cars. And in true northern Minnesota fashion, Maggie and Arnie Selfridge had this extremely wild story about a series of events over the years and no one knew about it. They didn't dwell on it, they just went on about their business, spreading fertilizer and planting new grass seed as if nothing happened. And no one would have known unless they had decided to invite my brother and I out to hear their tales as a condition of showing us where Walter saw his vanishing cars. Let me tell you something, the tale they shared with us as the loons called across the lake while the sun dropped behind us and day turned to evening and turned to night, well... better start at the beginning, Maggie told Arnie. The UFO might be key to all of our trouble, don't you know? <laughs> I remember looking over at my brother, knowing full well that I looked just as shocked and confused as he did, and mouthing those three important letters, W-T-F. <laughs> Thankfully, neither Arnie or Maggie seemed to notice our shock or... If they did, they kindly chose to ignore it. E either way, Arnie launched into a tale so far-fetched that were it not for what was to come, I'd have never believed. Maybe it was the, the casual lakeside attitude that he had as he told us, but this was certainly nothing like Ben and old Zeke, Roger, Peppermint, hell, even Walter's story sounded pretty tame in comparison. This sounded like the drunken, off-the-cuff, and then this happened, and then that happened. The, the kind of storytelling of some college kid explaining to the cops how he ended up sitting in a lawn chair on top of his car that was now submerged in a swimming pool upside down while his clothes lay folded neatly on the pool chairs in the neighbor's yard. It was crazy. In Arnie's words, it was about 20 to 25 years ago now when that darn UFO showed up out of nowhere, ruined their evening fire, then zipped off once more like nothing ever happened. He and Maggie he said they were sitting on their newly built patio. Arnie had just finished building it about two weeks earlier, and they were enjoying a little fire in the fire pit and throwing back a few cold ones as the loons called across the lake. In one moment, they were enjoying a warm summer evening, music playing quietly on the radio at the house. The next minute, the radio went to shrill static and everything exploded in a wash of blue and purple light. Arnie told us how it came from somewhere behind the house, and in a flash, this disc full of spinning lights bobbed and weaved over the lake for about 10 minutes. Almost like a bobber dancing on the waves, it zigged and zagged its way lazily over the surface. As he told it, the, those bright blue and purple lights started rotating around the thing and 
kind of in a slow and steady cadence, almost like the signal light at an airport at night or a lighthouse, just real steady and even as it spun around and around. Arnie and Maggie, well, according to Arnie, they held still to see what would happen so as not to spook it off, but according to Maggie, they were both scared shitless and couldn't have moved even if they wanted to. Basically just frozen in place out of good old-fashioned fear. <laughs> I remember the, the shade of red that Arnie turned when she corrected him in front of us. It told us all we needed to know about who was telling the truth here. <laughs> he is, you know, it, it seems pretty common for a guy not to want to admit he was afraid in front of strangers, but come on, we've all been there before, and this was pretty strange, and understandably so, people are going to be freaked out. Anyways... Arnie said the UFO just bobbed around out there for a while before slowly moving in right over the house and on top of them. That's when the high whining sound began to pierce the night sky and those lights began to spin faster and faster. Sitting there, the, the hair on their arms began to stand up and Arnie summoned the courage finally to grab Maggie and run away from the house down the long driveway to the safety of darkness at the edge of the yard. Those lights, they spun faster and faster until they were barely visible. It was just a streaking blur of light. That high-pitched whining, now so loud it felt like it had bored a hole into their brains and it was slowly treating their eardrums and brains like a fresh batch of strawberries in a blender for a strawberry daiquiri. As they stood there in the darkness, the lights blurring to a solid beam of the deepest blue they'd ever seen, the screeching coursing through their bodies like the aftershocks of an earthquake, Arnie grabbed Maggie close and tried to force his feet to back away some more. Before he made it two steps, those lights pulsed once, twice, and with that screeching whine rupturing the night sky, there was a final flash of light crimson red, and as that screeching vanished, leaving a vacuum of silence, the strange spinning disc shot straight up into the sky and vanished as quickly as it had come. Only the after image of that blood red light remained for just a moment before it was too gone. Kind of like if you look at the sun for a second as a kid and when you look away you're still seeing those spots, it's all that was left, just a flickering after image of that spinning disc. Now, I know at this point you must be thinking exactly the same thing that we were, which is why I need to stop right here for a minute and let you know that those thoughts you're having right at this moment, well, I'm pretty sure my brother and I shared those very same thoughts as we sat there listening to this crazy fairy tale the Selfridges were telling us. <laughs> you know, I, I remember looking at my brother and seeing him grinning ear to ear as he listened. I, I couldn't argue, this absolutely was a tall tale better than anything we would have found while channel surfing the old boob tube. Arnie and Maggie, however, well, they looked as serious as anything I've ever seen in my life. In fact, I, I, I stifled a small laugh after seeing my brother grinning all googly-eyed like an idiot and, and quickly apologized to Arnie. He just stared at me, eyes narrowed mouth in a frowning snarl. I 
I couldn't help but fidget in my seat and look away to the lake. Uh, it was like he was sizing me up and deciding if he was going to get up and beat some sense into me. Finally, after taking a big long drink of his beer, staring at me the whole time, he asked, Which one of you smells like a damn candy cane? I looked at him, eyes wide and blinking stupidly. I, Well, I knew that it was me and these damn wounds, but... To think he was going to get angry about that when I couldn't control it? Well, screw this guy. I, 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 I know. As I opened my mouth to tell him it was me and give him a piece of my mind, Arnie busted out laughing and finished off his beer. You know, lakeside lifestyle equals lakeside humor. I, <laughs> I should have expected that. But after grabbing a fresh beer, Arnie continued, and friends, let me tell you, it only got stranger. You see that damn mess on your way in? Arnie asked, gesturing towards the bags of grass seed and fertilizer. Well, we never had to worry about that before. Things grew faster than we could keep up with. But after that night, this whole area where that damn UFO had sprayed its blood red light before bolting off for good, it just doesn't want to grow anymore. It requires a little extra love to get things looking halfway decent. Now you know in that moment I gave my brother a victory glance at that news. The dead grass around the house did have something to do with their story and I wasn't going to let his smug attitude on the drive-in slide by that easy. He wasn't impressed but Arnie continued. Y you see about I think he said it was about 10 years after the UFO incident had happened and they had the struggle each year with things not growing well ever since. One summer was particularly bad. It wasn't that the grass was struggling to grow. No, that, that area was just barren. From the time the snow melted in the late spring all the way through midsummer, it was as if the land was in a full-on apocalypse-level blight. Not only was the grass not growing, laying dead and brown in the now familiar area around their home, but the, the ground itself seemed thirsty. They'd get a downpour of rain only to find the dirt dry and cracked an hour later. And the ground, as thirsty as it was, it was also rock hard. Arnie said he tried to rototill up a spot for the garden and it was like a needle scratching the surface of hardened steel. So he tried the plow which just barely broke the surface. Very, very odd indeed. It seemed that wherever that crimson blood red light from the UFO had touched a decade past, well, it was now just a barren wasteland. Even the, the well was struggling. They never had any trouble getting as much fresh water as they needed, always cool and refreshing, but now it barely brought up enough to cook with, and what it did bring up was so foul-smelling and tasted so bad, it somehow, how did he explain it, tasted like rotten meat. I don't know, somehow rotten. That summer, they had to resort to buying water to use at the house because what the well was dredging up had become totally unusable and they didn't dare try to use the lake water as they figured it was also contaminated just like their well. Yeah, it was a, it was a bad summer for the Selfridges. 
The odd part about it all was that this blight, this apparent scorched earth scenario, well, it only seemed to be impacting that area that the UFO had blasted with that sickening red light all those years ago. If they went just up the road a bit, the grass was suddenly green. The summer earth damp and soft and the fertile growing ground found all over this great land up north. Things were growing just as they always were. But cross back towards the Selfridge farm and you'd hit a line where suddenly everything was dead. As if death had reached out and touched this place, marking it for his own. Now, maybe it was frustration at trying to get the garden planted and watching the ground stay cracked and barren. Maybe it was the cost of having to get the well looked at and ultimately having a new well dug because that was the only option they could come up with. Or maybe it was just a string of bad luck as things around the house seemed to be crumbling. Whatever it was, their perfect lake life was suddenly falling apart and it felt like every day brought a new round of something breaking or falling into disrepair. Most likely it was a combination of all of that. It, it added up to a feeling of depression and despair. Arnie and Maggie, well, they told my brother and I how during that stressful summer, they had a feeling of creeping dread. A feeling like life and everything they had built together so far was just meaningless and useless because it was all just wasting away to dust like the land around them. Everything there had begun to smell of rot and decay, faintly at first and growing in intensity until finally it was like finding a family of mice had died in your car and as the weather warmed up the smell of rotting flesh just overpowers everything. As Arnie and Maggie told us their tale, I, I watched my brother closely. What had started with his wide-eyed enjoyment had now turned to a, a sour look of concern, a, a look of worry. I could tell something was really eating at him and whatever was going on with the Selfridges farm, whatever had placed its rancid touch on it all those years ago, it, it seemed to be turning his mood dark in a hurry seemed to be turning my mood dark as well. I, I hadn't realized it at first, but as I listened to Arnie talk, my hand absently rubbing the biggest scar across my hip and stomach, I, I, I felt sad. Everything felt pointless. This, this crazy story didn't seem to have anything to do with my search for Mystery Minnesota. I mean, don't get me wrong, this story is absolutely bonkers. And, I mean, it's, it's out there. I mean, literally, UFOs, come on. What are we talking about here? And like I told you earlier, how, how these people got poor Walter locked away when they were laying out a tale more crazy than anything you can imagine. Something was wrong here. Something very, very wrong. Mystery Minnesota is an Adventures in Creativity production written, produced, and performed by David Swiduck. You can find out more about the show and all of the others at AICpod.com. 
If you're enjoying what you hear, be sure to reach out to us on social media by following at AIC Stories on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Or, of course, you can email us via the contact form on the site. If you want to support the show and help more people discover and uncover the mysteries we're exploring, you can leave us a review or, most importantly, share Mystery Minnesota with your friends. Look, no matter where you hang out, be it Facebook, Twitter, Reddit, or Instagram, word of mouth is still the best thing you can do to help support life here in Mystery Minnesota. So don't be shy. Let people know what's up. Of course, we'd love it if you checked out all of the other storytelling fun happening with Adventures and Creativity Productions as well. So while you're at AICpod.com, go ahead and explore all of the other content right there. You can get all of the great projects like Faded Words and Adventures in Creativity in one convenient place by subscribing to AIC Stories in the podcast app of your choice really is the best way to keep up with everything we have coming up for you on Adventures in Creativity Productions. But if you only want to follow the story of Mystery Minnesota, you can find us under Mystery Minnesota in your podcatcher or at anchor.fm slash mystery Minnesota. So get yourself all caught up and stick with us because there's more to the story here in Mystery Minnesota.